Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. My name is Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy and here with Managing Editor Richard Hill. Hello, Matt. Here I am. Coughing and uh, as usual and as always and uh, as my it was my great pleasure because here we are again doing another podcast uh, and uh, this is just such a fabulous learning experience uh, for me. I, I'm so grateful to be so close to the to being able to ask questions of the interviews, but I I, I know people appreciate because we get lots of you know we get thousands of people listening to our podcast. So keep yeah. on listening. And today is absolutely no exception to the wondrous stuff that. Uh, that we're bringing you. Tell us a bit about uh, our story today. Okay, we are going to talk to Jonathan Sabok, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Journey Clinical, which is the leading telehealth platform expanding access to psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy. Now, Jonathan, he was a or is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, he built his career in finance, working for decades uh, for hedge funds and building businesses in Switzerland and New York City. And after receiving a difficult diagnosis of PTSD and suffering from extreme burnout, Jonathan left the world of finance to focus on his mental health, during which he personally experienced the transformative benefits of plant medicine and ketamine-assisted psychotherapy, went on to be a clinical psychologist, and then has built this platform, um, which is rather revolutionary, and we'll talk about that. Yes, I think understanding this way of making these uh, these psychedelic and ketamine assisted is the one I think we're particularly talking about today. Mm -hmm. Making it sensible, making it something that is uh, usable. Uh, okay, sure, it's something that is illicitly used in a destructive way, but here's how we can use it in a productive and useful healing way. So I guess we better go and find out from someone who really knows what they're talking about. <laughs> Off to Jonathan. Jonathan, welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's so great to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. That's lovely. And Richard here, always uh, always pleased to, to have uh, interesting subjects, interesting people. This is really something that needs to be talked about. It's needed to be talked about for a long time. But now we are going to talk about it with someone who really knows what they're doing, uh, and we want to start off a series of these conversations. But, but, uh, Jonathan, it's it's an interesting aspect uh, working with these ketamine-based, these these mind-opening uh, 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 projects and processes. But let's just get you a bit to speed. We've given you a bit of an intro, but tell us about yourself. How you got into this space? It's it's, uh, uh, it's a really interesting space to be in. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, you know, I I grew up in Switzerland, um, where I worked for the most part in finance for really 20 years of my life. I was working in hedge funds. I built two businesses from the ground up. And while I was building that first company, I actually suffered a pretty substantial burnout. And, you know, I really didn't know why it happened. And I really spent a lot of my life suffering from anxiety from depression, from substance abuse, 
Uh, and about eight years ago, a friend of mine brought me to have my first ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, I've had like 30 since. Um, and, you know, I started working with that medicine. I also started working really with a psychiatrist here in New York who really helped me out uh, with ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. And for the first time in my life, I was actually diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder from childhood trauma. And, and you know, finally understanding, you know, what was going on and why I was behaving this way. Uh, and so, you know, it was very, very helpful. It was very transformative. Um, I know it's corny to say, but it really changed my life. And, you know, as I began to live a more integrative life, uh, I didn't really feel as much of a connection to the work that I was doing in finance. And so I decided to quit my job in finance and I went back to school here in New York to study clinical psychology. And so as I was in school, like a funny story is that I actually hadn't finished high school before going to work in finance. So I had to do my GED at the age of 38, uh, which was an interesting experience. And uh, and then went back as a bachelor and, and, and learned psychology. And then while I was in school, uh, I really felt the need to integrate my background as an entrepreneur and all that business experience that I've had built up to support that mission that I have to bring these medicines responsibly to the world. And so that's how I I ended up founding Journey uh, alongside my wife, who's my co-founder and who has her own story, which I'd let her share. Fantastic. That's, wow, what a journey. That's wonderful. Yeah, it, 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 it is. The you know, journey is a is a beautiful description. And and I mean, I sort of go back. I've uh, had a lot of interest in this since I was a kid uh, too. And, and quite differently, my uh, sort of uh, journey was very open-minded. I actually started out as an entertainer, as an actor, musician, was all, all about uh, about trying to be open and, and being insufficient at it. Um, but what's interesting I think with your story there, as we go and we see, as is so often the case, uh, people going to study because they want to find out something. They want to. They they've got the interest first. They haven't just sort of you know stuck a pin in a page, uh, and this uh, process of sort of learning these technical aspects of the mind and of uh, mental health and so on and so forth in the balance between your lived experience. Uh, and then this coming up, now this really fascinates me, and I'm sort of this is the point I'm leading to. I want to hear a bit more. Suddenly realizing that there was, um, uh, and we use sort of quote marks, diagnosable, but a, a describable issue of PTSD. That then, what was the effect of hearing that in and and getting something that had language to it that you could you could look at and examine? Yeah, that's such a good question. You know, I think that. I mean, diagnoses have their uses, and they can have they could also not be useful. It's very um, situational, I think. For me personally, uh, the hardest part of spending really the majority of my adult life not understanding why I was engaging in certain behavior patterns, which I later understood were essentially really the best that I could come up with as a coping mechanism to cope with my trauma. Uh, was really difficult, right? When you're 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 depressed or abusing uh, substances or just generally like not um, feeling well, and you have this sort of like ominous um, part of yourself that you don't really quite understand in the background. Um, you know that was 
it's really anxiety provoking. And I'm sure that other people who suffer from trauma feel the same way. And so, you know, what, what, the, the way it happened for me was that I was working with ayahuasca for quite some time and I eventually started to not be able to process anymore what was going on in those ceremonies. And I really found myself in a loop having really, really difficult ceremonies. And I had done a lot of progress in my life, actually. Like, I'm, it's pretty amazing because after a very short period of time working with ayahuasca, uh, my substance abuse completely like resorbed. I also work with harm reduction. I believe that's a good approach to things. And, and, you know, I just couldn't process this, you know, uh, ongoing loop that I kept finding myself in, in these ceremonies. And so what I found was that actually finding a therapist with whom I formed a therapeutic alliance who was competent to understand psychedelics and also uh, work well with me. Um, you know, he's a, he's got a psychoanalytic approach actually, uh, was tremendously helpful. And so finally, when we started to understand, or he helped me start to understand what was actually going on, that it wasn't my fault, that I didn't need to carve out this part of myself, but that I was working with defenses that were really strong and that we could take a psychodynamic approach to it and work together and enter into a different relationship with these various parts or defenses that I have and start to bring in, you know, self-love and forgiveness to myself. And this is years of practice, right? I also don't believe like that psychedelics are a panacea. I'm a yogi. I'm a meditator. I practice jujitsu. I go to yoga. I think like these are holistic um, approaches to ourselves. I think at the end, that's how I view things. But you know, working to understand what was going on, like that was really a huge relief for me, actually. Um, and then I, I think that once you understand it, um, I think there's always a risk to identify with that very heavily as becoming your identity. And so I think there was understanding it, processing it, uh, making, you know, I guess friends is a good terminology for all these various parts and becoming essentially a father to myself and to, to love myself and care for myself and, you know, retake leadership in my own system. Uh, and then also like moving on from the identity of like, I am traumatized and kind of like, oh, well, I was traumatized and I, I, I processed that and it's true. And this happened to me and that's also in the past. And so I couldn't have done this really without an analyst who was really competent and who I worked with. And so you know, that's also why we created our company this way within the context of the therapeutic alliance uh, and to support that dynamic. Yeah. I mean, we, we are, we are built to co-regulate and, and co-exist. And, and it was a beautiful example of how the, the form of therapy, uh, the best form of therapy emerged out of your needs, you know, and, and, and of, I need to understand this. Well, I'm not going to understand that that way, this way, uh, great responsive approach, uh, uh, reactive approach. Uh, yeah. Matt, you, you were, yeah, so now, um, so that's, I think that's a good segue now um, to talk about how you went from, you know, after completing clinical psychology and getting into the field, um, the journey from there then into the business as it is today. Can you take us on that little journey? Yeah, for sure. You know, when I started to look at what was uh, the best way to essentially enable mainstream adoption of these treatments, 
you know, aside from my personal experience, which tremendously influenced the approach that we took, uh, what we really found was that empowering licensed mental health professionals to incorporate these treatments in their practice as an adjunct to therapy, really very much like you would EMDR, uh, mm-hmm. was the most scalable, but also the most efficacious way to do it because of that therapeutic alliance. And so we really started to consider, you know, what was the main barrier to entry for uh, licensed mental health professionals to do it. And it actually is, um, I don't know how it is in other countries, but I assume it's probably similar. It's forming and maintaining relationships with prescribing physicians. It's really hard to do. And there's also not many of them. Um, I don't know if you know this, but in America, there's only 25,000 psychiatrists uh, in the country. They're mostly in large cities. Uh, There's a similar problem with psychiatric nurse practitioners. And so when these relationships exist, they're actually, first of all, they're quite fickle, uh, which is a problem for continuity of care. Uh, but also they put a lot of pressure on the cost for the patient and they limited the potential for therapists to build out their own business, right? Uh, and so what's going on right now is that for the most part, they refer out and they're referring out to clinics or direct-to-consumer offerings. And I mean, as you both know, you know, it's really hard to find a therapist that you like. It's really hard to build that relationship with this person. And all of a sudden you're being asked to have what maybe is the most cathartic experience of your life with someone you've never met or bought. And that's just not good. And so what we wanted to build uh, was the necessary infrastructure to enable essentially psychedelic assisted psychotherapy to exist, right? And like, we didn't come up with this alone, like maps and compass pathways and all these uh, treatment modalities are based around psychedelic, psychedelic assisted psychotherapy on the premise that therapists can deliver this in their practice, right? Uh, and so what we do is that we basically uh, set our our members with everything up they need to incorporate, uh, now it's ketamine, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy in their practice. Uh, and so that starts with, you know, a telehealth platform uh, where essentially we support a collaborative care model. I think personally that the model of collaborative care is actually the biggest innovation, the biggest innovation we have today, it's really important aside from psychedelics. I think it's really fundamental to having a collaborative approach uh, with therapists because there's no one that knows more about a patient's mental health than the therapist. Uh, And so, you know, the way it works is that uh, people become members of Journey. They refer their patients to our in-house medical team. So we employ like 30 doctors uh, and nurse practitioners that work for us. We take on all of the medical aspects. So we'll take on eligibility and prescription and outcome monitoring. Uh, And then the therapist will do the ketamine sessions with their patients. And so they can do it in a variety of modalities from in-person to group to retreats. Uh, And we created this purposefully flexible because not everybody needs the same modality. Not every therapist wants to deliver the same modality. And actually often patients want to have an experience with one modality and maybe try a different modality of this type of treatment. And so being flexible is really important. Uh, and then they come back to us regularly for dose adjustment uh, and follow-up consultations. And then the other part of what we do, and this is really, I think, the power of the collaborative care model, is that we basically become their in-house doctor. 
Uh, and so we're there, uh, we're there for them 24 seven. So when, you know, an adverse event happens, they can just text our emergency number and we'll be there to support the therapist and the patients, uh, uh, and, you know, try to resolve that situation in a way that's positive, but we're also there on an ongoing basis with them. And so what that allows us to do is actually build out bespoke treatment plans at scale, right? So we're basically concierge mental health at scale. And, and that's, I think, really important to understand because no one has a one-size-fits-all treatment. It doesn't exist. I, I personally don't believe in it. So when people tell you that they're doing six ketamine sessions a month and that's it, it's just not true like everybody has a different need has a different frequency of needs have different dosing needs uh if someone's very traumatized they might need a higher dose then they might need a lower dose if they get better and, and so ongoing care is the way to bring the standard of care up and the best way to do that is to collaborate with a therapist so basically they're getting access to a world-class medical team just like if they worked for a hospital but uh, by being members of Journey. And then the other part, it's all tech enabled. So we have a portal for our prescribers. Uh, we have a portal for the therapist where there's training. We have a 22 module training on ketamine assisted psychotherapy. Uh, they have peer consultation groups and a lot of peer to peer dynamics. They can have a ketamine experience through us with other Journey members. Uh, we help them with legal resources and you know even marketing, because I know it's not easy to build a business. We help them do that. And it's all HIPAA compliant so they can refer the patients through the portal. They can track their patient's progress and then there's a patient portal. And so we we, we launched that um, in 2021. Uh, when we opened it up uh, for membership, we had 30 members um, at the end of February last year. We now have about 730 members in our network. We've seen more than 1,400 patients. Uh, so it's been a really interesting journey to build that out, uh, starting with a small group of people who like really gave us all these amazing insights and growing with them and seeing this amazing community of people. And I, I think that another thing that we really provide is community to people. People. And I'm sure that your listeners know, uh, but I'm not sure everybody understands the importance of community for a therapist. It's a lonely job, right? I mean, they're, like, people are mostly on Zoom or with a patient on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And so having access to a community of people that are there for you, that understand what you're doing, that can support you uh, is like a tremendous value. So we put a lot of uh, stake into that. Yeah, no, that, that, that's fantastic. I, and, and just a, a quick one on, as I'm catching there. So I'm a member, you know, I've become a member of Journey. I'm still working in my office with my clients in my space. Is is that yeah. correct? But what I'm doing 100%. is I'm, I'm, I'm linking into what, what the, what I just put down uh, a coordinating environment. Um, yeah. Is that, that sounds okay? Yeah, exactly. Like you can do it in your office, you can do it on Zoom with your patients, whatever modality works for you. But we basically become your back end. We become it's almost like you create you hired a whole medical team and training team and community and we just take on that lift for you. You you get, continue giving therapy, but now you can incorporate psychedelic assisted psychotherapy in your practice. Wow. And you know, it, psychedelics being the the focus, but um, I can imagine like for myself, um, a whole range of other uh, services that I would need in terms of, you know, other, other different medical, you know, advice and intervention, even, even down to simple, you know, blood tests, because, you know, sure. in, I'm not sure what it's like in America, but in Australia, there's a the whole range of blood tests, which uh, come under Medicare. Um, there's some that are outside that scope. Um, but generally, if you uh, if you're working with a naturopath, um, you you need to get a GP 
uh, medical yep. doctor to you know to do the blood tests. Yeah, so this yeah. coordinating process, yeah. and, and particularly in America, which has got uh, a combination of diffracted services, which yeah. which all which all have separate um, systems of of of, of uh, access and charging, mm. and and this this connection. And I'm, I must admit, uh, Jonathan, I've got a, some issues and difficulties in our family. We have some some cancer that's come into the the story. I'm sorry and to hear that. There's like ah, uh, but we're doing real well. But when the but there's like a whole team of people. There's 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 the specialists yeah. for all kinds of areas, and it's really it's really important. And they and they all come together sort of under one roof. And that's what I really like about this story that that you're telling here. Mm. So that I, as a therapist, know that um, I think oh, I, I think this is outside of my you know my purview, outside of my my skills. I know it's not. I'm connected to all the skills, and exactly. this is something we we we've forgotten in our in our competitive, you know, dog eat dog, set yourself up independently. Human beings come in with all the issues, and we can't isolate the the practices. So this is um, this is fabulous. I'm I'm a bit blown okay. over. But no, it, when great. we Thank we you. do have an integrative kind of you know perspective, it's still really difficult. I know. You know, my own personal experience, it's really difficult to find the the right GPs, you know, the right other specialists to sort of to team up with. And even when you do, um, there, there's still difficulties in, you know, or they're booked out, you know, I can't get my client in to see them. Um, and then you have to make other sort of relationships and and that's often difficulty. There's a yeah. difficulty there. And you, you've obviously solved this problem. You're, you're a one-stop shop for yeah. all of these connections yeah yeah it's also like it's thank you uh it's also you know completely unreasonable to have this such in such a disjointed manner right it doesn't make any sense like why would you go work with someone uh that's not connecting to your therapist who knows everything about you like it, it makes absolutely mm. no sense that you're seeing someone every week who has uh, probably you know, unparalleled insight on how you're doing with your treatment, how it's impacting it. And then you're seeing someone who's not really communicating uh, with this person and who's just giving them essentially medication for them to take, right? That's very odd. Uh, and so so for us, we frankly believe that um you know, uh, our, we are we we can become the hub for collaborative care in America. That's our objective, uh, and expand maybe beyond ketamine. And so, you know, there's really um, a, a lot of opportunity for us to build that out. I think, to be honest, um, you know, the ketamine is a tool. I think the the power of our model is the collaborative care, and that's why we chose uh, very very intentionally to have the therapist as our primary customer uh, because by supporting their practice, you know, I, I don't know if I said this, but there's 40 million people in America in therapy right today. It's a huge population of people. And so this is it for us. This is how you make this mainstream. It's by having that population who's the best equipped to deliver these treatments incorporated as an adjunct to therapy. Uh, and something uh, else, oh, sorry. No, 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 please go on. Yeah, something else that people like therapists forget uh, is that, you know, 
And that's why we chose to work with licensed mental health professionals, not coaches, not massage therapists, not that they're not good. There's some amazing people out there who are really qualified and do amazing work, but we chose to do it because first of all, there's someone who answers to a license, but also, you know, as someone who's been to study psychology, like you, you're basically equipped to do this. Like you are equipped to help someone process cathartic emotions and work through them. And so some of the wonderful stories that we've heard is that I've been with a patient who has been blocked for so long and there's been no progress. And all of a sudden, you know, in a few sessions, this really unlocked all this work that we've been doing together. And people forget that therapist burnout is a real thing. And a therapist burnout really comes maybe from a lot of working hours, but also from working with patients who are not progressing. And I think it's it's really interesting that there's two things sort of comment, and then I want to sort of take a, a little bit of a, a a different direction that I'm based on something you said. Uh, but this idea in therapy, the one that I'm sort of uh, following a lot, is this idea that the client is telling you is telling you stuff. The experience, the therapeutic experience, is telling you something. And when someone remains blocked, um, the idea is not to try and bash the heads against the brick wall, but to say, okay, what is this blocking telling me? Where, where do we need to go? And you know, here is a wonderful, here's a wonderful uh, possibility. This is a wonderful option to even test. But in saying that, uh, we were saying ketamine is not a medication; it's a tool. So can we talk a little bit about the the tool? What what is the um, you know what does happen? I mean, you've had the experience, but for those who haven't, what is the experience of uh, that ketamine allows the person to have in order to make this progress? Yeah, sure. So. You know, first, maybe starting with sort of like the neurological impact of ketamine on the brain, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and to keep it very high level, ketamine is a dissociative anesthetic. It's been FDA approved since 1970. Uh, it's been, it's on the WHO list of, of top 10 medications to have. So it's very common. Um, and, you know, it's been more recently used uh, to treat depression and anxiety. Actually, historically, uh, a person called Evgeny Kripetsky, uh, in Russia, was using it to treat alcohol addiction, uh, and then this got transferred to the U.S. by a guy called Eli Kolb. Uh, and then, you know, it's actually frequently used in um, hospitals for treating people who are highly suicidal. They'll give you a shot of ketamine. And just at a, at a neurological level, what's going on is that uh, there's a theory called uh, the um, uh, glutamate uh, is it glutamate theory of depression, where essentially, um, you know, if you have poor or a regulation of glutamate in your central nervous system. Uh, that's one of the physiological causes of ketamine. And so what ketamine does is that it's an antagonist to the neuroreceptor that receives glutamate. And so uh, what antagonism means is that it kind of acts as a lock, right? And so that neuroreceptor is then locked. And what that causes is reabsorption of the neurotransmitter, which regulates that in your brain. So that's a lot of like... Uh, scientific stuff but what that oh, does that's great. That's great. Uh, actually is that um, in a lot of studies 
people who have high degrees of suicidality and were not respondent to treatment with uh, treatments, mostly a lot of the studies are done on IV, uh, intravenous ketamine. Uh, within 24 hours, like you get like 50% that respond. And like, if you take the outliers up, you go up to like 70%. It's really, really powerful, very fast acting uh, and very low risk. Uh, and so that's what happens from a, a essentially a physiological, neurological standpoint. So a lot of the ketamine clinics that popped up uh, in the beginning were mostly like IV infusion clinics where people would go and get an infusion and they're run by anesthesiologists uh, and or emergency doctors. Uh, and, you know, they would basically put you in a chair and, uh, you know, give you like a 90-minute infusion and then send you on your way. And they have this course of like, you know, six treatments in two weeks based on Eli Culp's treatment, actually, and then come back for boosters. But what they were doing, uh, and this has evolved in some cases, there are some much more um, uh, psychedelically informed uh, infusion clinics now, uh, here in the US at least, uh, was that they were completely ignoring what they called the dissociation. For them, the dissociation was just a side effect of the medication that could even be negative and should be ignored. So, you know, uh, and it's not their fault, right? You're talking to an anesthesiologist, you're talking to uh, an emergency doctor, doctor or pain doctor. And so these people's perspective and purview is that, you know, medication is the way to treat essentially a physiological problem, right? But the problem is that you now have people, you had people sitting in those chairs going through what is an ego death or a massive psychedelic experience under ketamine and absolutely not knowing what to do with it. Like they were just completely lost with this tremendous experience and having no one to help them integrate. Uh, and so that's, for example, why we work with people who follow the same process as what they do uh, at MAPS or uh, at other psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy um, treatments, which is to have preparation, uh, dosing, and integration work. And that th that three-step approach is really, really important uh, for a number of reasons, right? Um, first of all, preparation is very important because, you know, what people think preparation is, is not necessarily what it is. Like people think preparation and they think, oh, I'm going to set my intentions and I'm going to write them on a piece of paper and I'm going to go have this experience and I'm going to work on this stuff. Uh, and what happens really often is that people do that and then they uh, feel like they failed their psychedelic experience because they're like, oh, wow, I didn't really work on this and I didn't succeed in having a breakthrough experience and and I maybe I should have taken more and I'm such a failure. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, expectation yeah. is, is the death of it's, of, it's, of, it's, of of creativity. And and just quickly, right. I know you you're going you've started on that that first one, yeah. is, but this is the model that we've been using for a long time. Right. You you figure out the process, you figure out the way in which the process can be achieved, the method that you're going to do. Then you go and you have the process. Then you are all cured. And of course, what we're learning is that that's not the not the not the case at all. Because all it, we're a complex system, all kinds of right. different things emerge, mm -hmm. and it's been able to deal uh, deal with that. And and it's actually when we're talking about dissociation, you, you're just highlighting that thing we've done with our medical systems and our mental health systems is we've dissociated the physiology from the the, the mental biology. So the, the physical 100%. biology for the mental biology. And right. that is been has been to our peril. And I think that uh, that that a large amount of the expansive um uh 
unsuccessful progress of psychotherapy and of uh, behavioral therapy is because of this disconnection. And so uh, ketamine, interestingly, in its disconnected frame of just being used as a medicine, has actually opened up a connecting doorway. Yeah. It really has. That's such a great way to put it. A hundred percent. Yeah. That all of a sudden happened. All these people were there having these experiences and then they started to need to find integration therapists who were working with them uh, to help them integrate. So that's why we brought it all uh, in one house and, and made it holistic. Uh, Yeah. But it's, it's so, so to answer your question, like, what does it feel like? Um, You know, I mean, what are psychedelics, right? Psychedelics are defense-lowering mechanisms. Like they're non-specific amplifiers who help uh, lower defenses. Defenses are what we develop when we're in our early childhood to cope with various situations that are unbearable for us. And those defenses can be stronger or less stronger, depending on if you're traumatized or not. Uh, and and so these defenses tend to take different forms that can be healthier and healthy in life. And so you know that's the opportunity with psychedelics. I think. Uh, um, to to be able to work on that. But another thing that's really important, I think, is the set and the setting uh, in which you do that. Just for those who don't understand what that means, set is your mindset and the setting in which you're doing it. And it doesn't have to be in a doctor's office or in a ceremonial. It could be at home with your therapist on Zoom and creating a space where you're feeling well and you've got a chaperone and you're making sure that no one's running in the door while you're doing that. But slipping into a space like you do when you practice yoga or you meditate, and getting into a certain mindset and an openness and making room for that in your life really influences it. Uh, and so that, that'll that drive your experience. Uh, but again, they're not a panacea and they don't always go in a direction you think they will. And so having intentionality and structure with someone who is helping you prepare. And again, just to come back on that preparation point, it's actually like... Um, there's a lot of this transference to psychedelics, right? This transference in everything, this transference to the therapist, but there's also transference to the medicine itself. And so working on uh, adjusting that transference to essentially maybe bringing mindful attention to whatever's going on and then bringing that into integration. That's what um, we found and not just us, but many have found to be uh, and studied to be successful. It, It sounds like a steep learning curve. Um, I'm just imagining all of the different variables that are involved here. And um, can you just let us know what it, what is it like when you you first as a therapist and you're first starting to you know to to use these therapies? Um, what is the learning curve like? Because because yeah, because also knowing that there I'm you know I'm seeing courses and uh, and various mm. things you know appearing uh, and we've got to be uh, sure of yeah. the reliability of those too. Maps are making a big noise at the moment. Um, so mm. every therapist, I'm sure, has seen, you know, their conference coming up and all of this. So yeah. yeah. So sorry, tell us uh, the, the the learning curve for a therapist. Yeah. So it's interestingly enough, it's not a steep learning curve, and that's why you would okay. think it's a steep learning curve, but it's actually mm. not because you go to school for all these years and you spend all those times in uh, training and practice working with patients, and so actually therapists are already completely equipped to deal with preparing someone. You know, like here's an example, right? Uh, you're gonna go, you're you're a traumatized patient, and you're going to go have dinner with your family, and that's highly active 
activating and that's going to be an experience that in itself is probably psychedelic, right? Because that's what it means. It's mind manifesting. And so you know how to prepare your patients to uh, be with that experience and like, you know, recognize the mechanisms that come up. You go, you have that dinner and then you come back and you process it with your therapist. Like you've been trained for years to take care mm. of this. What the learning curve happens is like working with these medicines and that's it. Training is important. So that's why we have a whole training module and education that goes into that. They have to take it before they can work with us. And there are some great, great training centers out there that do a lot of great stuff. Um, but actually like the base tools that you need, you already have them. This is more of an add-on. And so what we found was that once they do uh, the training, we have a lot of experiential learning. Like we give people the ability to have a cap session with other journey members. Uh, we have peer consultation groups. They have a lot of support uh, working with us. Uh, but it's about, I think... Um, learning the like, like sort of like the basics, like the didactic training is pretty much the same everywhere. And then having experiential learning and then gaining confidence within yourself that you can do this. Like, honestly, because I don't know if you've ever watched uh, some, someone do psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, but it can be kind of boring. Like, I mean, like, like someone puts their, their eye mask on, they put music on and they're gone for like two and a half hours hours or something or eight hours if you're doing mdma like those maps videos are really boring right like people are there and they're just like you know it's, it's like, 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 like uh, I, I really understand it in fact the, one of the methods i use is sort of a, a, a it's it's a psychedelic or it's a sort of a, a mental thing the the best thing you can do is just shut up and get out of the way and leave the client yeah. to do their work but but I, I i as you're sitting i'm just thinking of course what ketamine is doing as is uh, quite a few other different therapies that we use, but ketamine's doing it in a particular way and other psychedelics uh, are doing that. It's the door opener. And and I and I was just thinking, as you were talking, so yeah, the, the door opens, the client says, I'm thinking, I'm feeling, I'm realising, and yeah, sure, I'm trained to do that. And the training uh, I, I'm just visualising is what I need to know is to who and how to trust that team of people I'm putting behind me now that that we don't learn in in graduate school that you yeah. can actually work in a team so that's that's the that's the wonderful aspect i i yeah. i don't need to know about how ketamine works necessarily i need to out of my interest i do i need to know that i have a team behind me that when i have that question uh, I can immediately go to my medical expert who'll tell me this and my my yeah. organizing expert and so on and so forth that yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's partially true. Like you do need to do the training, like understanding oh, yeah, what these yeah. compounds are doing, like and how they work and how your patient might react and how to work with preparation and how to work with integration uh is important. And like so doing that is is I think really essential to sort of like delivering a good standard right. of care, right. right? Because like what is preparation, how to explain it to your patient, how to hold space, how maybe not to interrupt your patient when they're having an experience, but holding space for them uh, and then working on integration with them. But what I'm saying is that um, it sounds like, you know, a steep learning curve, but it's not. Like when you actually have access to the right amount of education, the right support, and support is not just... Um, 
our medical team because like our medical team give a lot of support like we have a weekly meet the medical team uh meeting where they can go and ask questions but also support with peers or experiential learning uh with other members we we have a lot of like peer-to-peer dynamics in our network uh that really like enables you very very quickly to get started so we've had uh therapists were complete novices with psychedelics got started with journey and built entire practices uh very successfully uh and so we're really there to give them all the support they need on every aspect from like medical to legal to uh you know modality wise we do like webinars we just did one uh which was really awesome with uh, sunny strasburg on uh, ifs and ketamine uh and you know it's a really cool modality that works really well with psychedelics i don't know how familiar you guys are with it yeah that's internal uh, family systems just exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. yeah which is really great right because you can do you can sort of like build an internal dialogue within that context and sort of like name it and frame it and the integration work and so so you know there's so much to do there's so many modalities you can use and so when i say also you're already trained you know some people want ifs but you could totally use uh object relations as a really great modality to you know talk to all the integrated relationships uh, internalized relationships that you have in your life so so it's very uh it's a great support tool for what you already know and i think that's really important to remind us uh, uh, like therapists is that they're really already really well equipped to do this oh that's great that, that beautifully corrected uh, or, or added and expanded what, what i was i was getting a bit, a bit focused there beautiful thanks for clarifying that for sure yeah yeah i, I... This is not a conversation for today. I was just wondering how this might fit in with memory reconsolidation. Um, sorry, uh, ran, random side. Random thought. Well, but, but, well there, there's I'll more. Have... There's more neuroscience. Uh, yes. There's more explanations of the processes to be discovered now that it is being um, utilized in a in a, a productive and functional and sort of an organized way i mean certainly yeah. we've been having all these things i mean um, yeah. uh, although i must admit when well, i was talking to my daughter the other day and she's saying oh no dad this has been really really great and i'm thinking we're an open family aren't we <laughs> <laughs> when i was younger i do these things but it, it was interesting as i was saying before i was an actor and a writer and uh, um and i actually there were a few uh, uh, mind-opening substances i i, I took as a, a youngster and, and i actually found my own head uh, was pretty out there anyway. So there's there's differences between individuals about yeah, what sure. what you're releasing and because uh, uh, I I used to uh, I was a I was writer do a film script writing and and I always had to be careful not to be thinking about a film I was writing or a script I was writing because my windscreen would turn into the the, the film and I'd be doing and and I always had to pull over. Uh, but people have these experiences and it's just as you were saying, Jonathan. They go to a, a, a triggering sort of experience like a family dinner. They go out and they have an extraordinary experience with uh, with their their, their partner, a, a, a mind-altering sort of experience, and we deal with that. And this is just another, this is another way in a world that spends a lot of time closing us down. I, I, and I think this is something we have to we have to acknowledge. We we I, I often describe but as like we talk about an obesogenic society or society, you know, the culture that makes us fat, but we also have a, a mental illness, agenic society. There's a lot of things that make us uh, lead us towards needing something to open ourselves up. And this sounds like a fantastic mechanism. 
Uh, I mean, yeah. look, the number one uh, healthcare crisis in the world today, it's not cancer, it's not obesity, it's mental health. That's mm -hmm. it. That's yeah. the number one healthcare crisis that we're all facing today. And so we need all the help we can get. We need innovation. There hasn't been innovation in the past 50 years in this field. It was no. antiquated and it's time. Like, you know, and that now is the time. And we're very excited to be at the forefront of that. Well, it is, it's very exciting and it takes an entrepreneur like yourself, I think, to bring such innovation and this uh, journey platform that you've got. Um, it sounds revolutionary. Um, we will be pointing everybody um, to you. the appropriate URLs so they can go and check it out themselves. Thanks. Um, but Jonathan, as we sort of wrap up today, is there any sort of final words you would like to to leave our listeners? You know, I think that mostly we're we're so lucky to work with such amazing therapists that are, you know, at the forefront of mental health that are bringing this together to be partnered with them and to be partnered with more and more of them every day. Our network is always growing and to see these amazing results and they're encouraging feedback uh, to building this together. Uh, it's uh, It's been uh, maybe the, the most beautiful work I've had in my life. And I'm so grateful to be able to do that every day and to, you know, sometimes when you're building a company, you're, you get very in the weeds about, uh, you know, very operational stuff. And so I get to, you know, we do something every week. I, um, uh, we have an open house with our therapist where I hop on and my co-founder does. And it's always the highlight of my week where we get a chance to hear, you know, what they're doing, what problems they're seeing, how we can help them. And so I just, I'm just very grateful that they're doing such amazing work. I think people don't know how hard that job is uh, to carry that and hold space for people and yeah. so you know we're we're just grateful to be a service oh, bravo yeah wonderful well we'll, think... we'll 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 wrap up now uh <laughs> with, with those beautiful words i know we could talk on, uh, on this more and we will try and do more and we'll try and have uh, more aspects coming in but jonathan we just want to thank you so much for giving us your time and telling us about uh the journey both the business and uh the thing that uh, is happening in lives thank you yeah. so much thank you thanks for having me this was lots of fun yeah, it's very exciting. Thank you, Jonathan. Okay, Thank bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Yeah, as interesting as I thought it was going to be, Matt, but much more. I mean, the mm. detail that he's gone to and, and this community and yeah. this idea that I, as a therapist, uh, can get involved in this. And great, he pointed out that there is specific stuff you need to learn about the nature of working with ketamine. And of course mm. you do. Mm. Of course you do. I was I was being a th little thoughtless. But then I've got all this support team that I can utilise and engage with Really, really interesting. Everyone well, should check that out yeah. and be looking to what they can do in their countries and what's available in theirs. Uh, Jonathan, of course, will be in the States, but uh, yeah. uh, it's online, so there's things they can do, lots this of stuff. Is a fabulous idea. I mean, this interface between the therapist and the medical professionals, this is groundbreaking. You know, they've got a place here which, you know, involves training, consultation, legal, marketing, community, and, you know, the therapist suddenly has this whole team Around, I think this is this is just a marvelous um, advance in what we do. Yep. As, and there's as, a natural segue to the wonderful team <laughs> and support and advice and, and contribution that the science of psychotherapy does for therapists. <laughs> anyway, that was That's good. right. But you know, if you if you're liking what we do and you're liking what mm. we do in the podcasts and you're liking continued education, remember the Science of Psychotherapy Academy is a fantastic place. We're incredibly affordable, you know, because we think people overcharge. So you can come in just on a monthly rate. You can do some mm -hmm. fantastic work. We 
have hundreds of courses. We have lots of uh, certificated courses where you answer some questions, get certificates, which you can use for CME points. All really cool stuff. And that's at thescienceofpsychotherapy.net. Check it out. Wonderful. And also, if you're listening to the podcast, you can also catch us um, on our YouTube channel. Uh, Again, link is in the show notes, so check that out. And subscribe to our YouTube. That would be very helpful as well. Yeah, and heaps of other things on the YouTube channel as well. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast, and we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, Go to the science of psychotherapy.com.